Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. How long can both sides in the war in Ukraine keep losing soldiers at this high rate? We'll hear from Ukrainian soldiers themselves. This is the State of Ukraine from NPR News. Both the Russian and Ukrainian armies have lost many of their best soldiers. And as the war drags on, that might be a big advantage for Russia, since it has access to far more troops. NPR's Frank Langfitt was recently near the front lines talking to Ukrainian soldiers in the Donbass, and he's here with me to talk about some of his reporting. Hey, Frank. Hey. How you doing, Greg? Good. So um, tell me where you went and uh, who you talked to. Yes, yeah, so I was out in Kramatorsk, and this is the eastern, far eastern part of the country. It's a lot of flat land, and so you've heard about these artillery duels, but it's it's very flat farmland. And what I love to do, you know, when I'm traveling in Ukraine, I love to just hang out with the soldiers in their safe houses, and these are, you know, homes that they've taken over near the front lines where they operate out of. They cook, they sleep there. And that's a great place to talk to them because that's a time when they're not fighting and they have time to really talk about what they're seeing. So you've brought us um, the story that you've filed about uh, talking to soldiers, and we're going to listen to some of it now. Is there anything you want to say before we uh, we take a listen? You know, I just, I just think that this gives you a little sense of what sort of normal life, to the degree that anything is normal in eastern Ukraine now, is like. Um, this begins, I was just kind of hanging out with these guys outside in the morning. And they were just getting going. And this is kind of what it sounded like. Max is a Ukrainian sniper. This morning, he's oiling his rifle to ACDC outside his reconnaissance team's safe house in the city of Kramatorsk in the east of the country. The team was operating in enemy territory the night before. They cleared a trench of six Russian troops that a fellow soldier had killed with a machine gun. The contents of the Russians' backpacks now lie on the ground outside the safe house. Pairs of socks, a magazine for an AK-47, two magazines, a grenade, several grenades. It's like just a little rubber band. Oh, these are just really terrible tourniquets. They're such poor quality. They're just little rubber strips. Andri, the team leader, oversees more than 100 recon soldiers here. Those people that we took these things from, they were really young, really, really young, no older than 25 years old. They have been provided with nothing. Andrei says the dead soldiers were most likely convicts working with Wagner, the Russian mercenary group. He said they wore Ukrainian-style uniforms produced in Russia. Andrei describes their general tactics. They approach our position saying, no, don't shoot. We are your people. This is how they try to get close to us. Our soldiers start to think, okay, it's our camouflage, so maybe it is our people. Until the last moment, in the case last night, they didn't know whether they killed their own or Russians. So how are you sure that it wasn't your own people? We found their radios, their phone, Andrei says, which were Russian. So, Frank, it sounds like that's just an illustration of how the two sides that are fighting are just very similar. They can't even tell each other apart sometimes. Yeah, it was also just a chilling scene for me was to realize that the backpacks of these guys, and there wasn't much in them. I mean, it was really pretty pathetic that these were guys who'd been alive, I don't know, 12 hours earlier, and they were were all gone. And can you describe a little bit 
where these Ukrainian soldiers were staying? Yeah, yeah it's really interesting. So you got to remember, Greg, as you know, no one planned for this war. So the Ukrainians didn't even think it was – most Ukrainians didn't even think it was going to happen. So everything has been very ad hoc and that means that if you're a reconnaissance team and you're out near the front – Lots of people, of course, the vast majority of people have left, and so you take over homes. And in this case, what these guys did, they told me, is they they actually kind of like broke into the home and they just started living there. And then the owner was called, and he came and said, uh, "You guys didn't have to break in. I would have let you stay here." So they're now playing, paying the utilities in the home. But what's interesting, Craig, when you're in these homes, is this mix of domesticity and 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 modern warfare. So I'll give you an example. This guy Max, the the guy who was oiling his uh, his rifle to ACDC, he sleeps on this sofa, and he uses a stuffed bunny for a pillow. Obviously, one of the kids who used to wow. live in the house. That's that's her bunny or his bunny. And on the floor next to the couch is a fifty caliber sniper rifle with this gigantic scope. Now, Andre, I really liked Andre and Max because they're totally different personalities and really interesting. Now, Andre, he's 30 years old. He's he's the more cerebral of the two. He studied history of the Middle Ages at university in Lviv and, you know, in the far west of Ukraine where you've been. And Max, he is 33 years old. And when I asked him sort of like his background, this is what he told me. I was a football hooligan, and I was a farmer. This subculture of football hooligans, it's a small army. I have a feeling that my whole life, it was preparing me for this war. Both he and Andre, who used to make dentures for a living, joined the army for patriotic reasons after Russia invaded Crimea in 2014. Over coffee at the kitchen table, Andre told me more about the Wagner convicts Ukraine is fighting. They've been told you either sit in the prison or you'll get your freedom in the battlefield. They are now just used as meat. They push them in waves and waves and waves. Max says the Russians sometimes also use new conscripts to draw Ukrainian fire to reveal their positions. They pick the simplest way of working with less motivated troops. They push them forward under the threat of being shot. They just go until they stumble into the enemy. Then the Russians see where we are and say, let's drop artillery there. Andrei says although Russian conscripts aren't well motivated, their numbers are huge. The Russian mobilizational reserve is pretty much infinite, which means that they have the luxury to make mistakes. They can lose a brigade or they can lose a platoon, and some of those people are going to survive and they can share experience with the new conscripts. In November, the Pentagon estimated both sides had lost more than 100,000 troops each to death and injury. But Andrei says the math is on Moscow's side. Russia's population is about four times Ukraine's. And Andrei says the Ukrainian army has motivational problems of its own. Most of the people that were ready to take guns and fight, they came in the first two months, and those people are coming to an end. Andrei means they're dead. He says the quality of the new soldiers is much lower. Some of them, he tells me, they don't know how to hold a rifle. And Max says even if they do, there's some who don't want to use it. Max recalls a time in the Ukrainian city of Solodar, about 40 miles east of here, where his team prepared an ambush. A group of Russian soldiers were leading a column, serving as the vanguard, and I saw a man at the front with a camouflage jacket and a Russian patch on it. He looked like he was walking at the front of a parade. He didn't know we were 50 to 60 meters from him. Then some of our guys did something stupid. They shouted at him, stop! 
Why did your soldiers tell him to stop? Because you probably know the statistics. Not every soldier can kill when it comes to it. Since in Ukraine, there are so many Christians, up to the last moment, they will try to not take a life. The funniest thing is, after I finished off the Russian soldier with four shots to his chest, and he fell down, all of our guys started to shoot. Ukraine still vows to push Russian soldiers out of the country. President Volodymyr Zelensky had this message for those still living under occupation. Ukraine hasn't abandoned you, hasn't forgotten you hasn't forsaken you. One way or another, we will liberate all our lands. The view from the front line is more skeptical. Andrei's best-case scenario is this. We can be realists, and to speak as a realist, the conflict is going to be frozen. Max has a worst-case scenario. Russia takes the eastern half of Ukraine. After I met Max, he was injured in a firefight, taking shrapnel to his legs, arm, and elsewhere— He sent a voice memo from his hospital bed. It was cowboy-style shooting. We started to think what to do next when shrapnel from a grenade hit my butt. Then they started to hit us with multiple grenade launchers from both sides. I crawled into the trench and they bandaged my butt. But since I was the leader of the group, I couldn't let the guys simply die. So I took a rifle and I started firing back. Well, Frank, thank you so much for for bringing this... uh, portrait of these guys who are fighting for Ukraine. Um, how is Max doing? Have you heard from him? Is he? Is yeah, he I, mean, I was in touch with him just yesterday. Um, he's doing better. He told me that all the bandages are off and they are transferring him to a hospital in Lviv. He was actually in Kharkiv, out in the sort of the Northeast. And so he's uh, he's on his way, I think, to Lviv by now. Yeah. I was struck in the in the story about how how blunt these guys were yeah. about losses and yeah. and and death and yep. um and how many um russian soldiers would be would be coming at them and how unprepared their colleagues were yeah i mean i think what i love about this work as a reporter is hanging out with guys for a couple of days and just asking them the most obvious questions about their work which is war and um some of them are extremely direct there's no bravado there's no they don't try to tell a story about how heroic they are. Yeah. They're very straightforward about the challenges that they face. And and that's why I find sometimes these kinds of sets of interviews are the most illuminating for me as a reporter in Ukraine. Well, speaking of illumination, I mean, you were in Ukraine on the day the, the invasion started. We're over a year on now. Yeah. Um, when you're thinking about this particular reporting trip that you just concluded um, – what were some surprises? What were what were some unexpected things that you learned? I, I think the thing of listening to Max and Andre is that they're not very optimistic, as you can tell. Yeah. And they're talking really about the numbers. The money quote for me in the probably the entire interview is Andre saying the Russian mobilization reserve is pretty much infinite. Yeah. And I just thought, well, that's that says a great deal. I mean, um, that's a huge challenge. And neither of them were like upbeat about being able to take a lots more territory. Uh, another thing is where this contrasts with a lot of the earlier interviews I've done, it was always focusing on weapons. Give us the HIMARS and we'll do this. Give us the M777 howitzers from the Americans and we'll do this. And the, right. and the, the weaponry has been very, very valuable. But there's a reality with numbers here. And one of the concerns in talking to a really good analyst here in London, where I am right now, at the Royal United Services Institute, is he says, what happens 
if the Russians eventually get their act together, the mm. Russian dysfunction in this war has been the greatest advantage the Ukrainians have had. I cannot emphasize that enough. Yeah. What if their supply chains get better? What if they actually train these guys a bit better? And that's the concern uh, from the Ukrainian perspective with those big numbers. And if they have better soldiers, it's going to be tougher and tougher to take territory and and keep territory. You can't rely on on dysfunction as a no, of your enemy as a strategy. Because the, and the Russians, the Russians are learning. I mean, everybody right. makes fun of the Russians, and there's a good reason for that. The beginning of the war was mind-blowingly chaotic from the Russian perspective. But that was more than a year ago. And people do learn, and they do change. Right. And the Russians have a big war machine. Okay, thanks, Frank. Really appreciate it. Good to talk, man. Thanks for listening to the State of Ukraine from NPR News. Please come back to this feed for more on the war and its impacts around the world. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Homes.com. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, local amenities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as Black experiences, you'll hear... It means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.